We're recording. Checking the microphones. Yay, microphones. Feeling kind of sleepy, really in alert. It's reminiscent of all the times that I fell asleep in church. Oh, come, oh, come here, man, you will, and ransom captive Israel, out of mourns and lowly exile here. Do you want to lose the one listener we have? I'm just so excited to be back. Yeah, it's good to be in the studio. Yeah, so, friends, welcome to the one pot, one pot. <laughs> It's been so long, I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> the second pot. This is the second pot podcast. We are uh, coming to you uh, live on tape from uh, Grove City, Ohio, here at Trinity United Methodist Church. Um, we are excited because this is the season of Advent. This is a time when uh, we start a new year in the life of the church, and we... Um, we orient ourselves around the coming of the Messiah. So we're glad that you're here with us. Let's let's get going. All right, Caleb. So several weeks ago, we were in a meeting, and you said we should have people do these things. This I've got this idea. And it was what became Christmas Quest. Mm, mm-hmm. And within a week, uh, we put together <laughs> put together the quest for Trinity. And now we are on the journey. So um, today, listener, we are going to talk about Scripture and how it is we hear God in it. Yeah. I think our goal this morning is to um, just share what Caleb and I have learned so far over the past couple of days from the scripture we've read and how how this has been a channel of grace in our life. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, I think part of, you know, going back to the beginning is that's the place to start. Um, When we think about why we do the spiritual disciplines, you know, why we pay attention to the ordinances of God, the, the means of grace. Um, it's because we live in a world that is not immediately and always conducive to living the lives that God has created us to live. Um, we have an enemy, an enemy that is real, an enemy that makes things hard. Um, and if we don't have strategies to, um, to abide with Jesus in the midst of this world, we are going to spin out of control and spin out of control quickly. That's right. Um, and the, the wisdom of the church is, um, and when I say the wisdom of the church, I don't mean the wisdom of Trinity. I mean the wisdom of the saints over the last uh, several thousand years of um, this uh, Christian uh, grafting into the people of God. Um, Is that when we 
uh, take time to pray, when we take time to read the scriptures, to hear the scriptures, to meditate upon the scriptures, when we um, take time to be intentional in works of mercy and justice and love for our neighbor, that Jesus abides with us deeply, um, that we can experience daily delivery from sin and temptation, that we can experience daily assurance of salvation, um, that we can experience uh, daily you know, bread and, and strength to, to live the lives we're called to. So we have, um, as an initiative here in uh, the season of Advent, which, again, for Christians, the new year begins with the first Sunday of Advent, um, not January 1st, although on January, well, I guess the first Sunday this year is going to be January 3rd. Um, I mean, we are going to do some, you know, uh, some special things, um, but, you know, we understand that we kind of, you know, we live with a foot in both worlds where, um, on one hand, our new year began on Sunday, uh, but, um, because we still live this embodied existence, on earth in the United States of America. We also have a new year that begins in January and we, we pay attention to that, um, in the, the fresh start effect that that gives us. So in addition to our Christmas quest, um, I am reading the seedbed daily text entitled the Christian new year. So it's their advent. It's great, this isn't year. It? Oh my gosh. It's, it's so good. JD out did himself. Oh, man. Listener, if you don't have this book, I I will put a link to it in the in the show notes. It's so good. Yeah, because so, it's it's free online, you know. So you can buy the paper copy, but it's also, um, you know. Can you get it? F- oh, are they doing it as their daily text? Like, nice. I believe so. Yeah. So so let me just read real quick, as another way to explain what everything you just said. Kind of, um, he writes: the calendar tells us what is important. And the clock tells us what is urgent. For most people on planet Earth, this is about where it ends. Okay, and then he goes on to say, the temptation is to try to carve out a little compartment of time every day to meditate on ultimate things. It's better than nothing. But the truth is, it just brings matters of ultimate concern into its own category, where it has to compete with everything else for the priority of one's time. Here's what I highlighted. What we need is a way for ultimate things to become our overarching framework and underlying foundation rather than just another compartment or category, some way of keeping the main thing the main thing all the time. And that is exactly why I am excited about Advent this year. Why I'm excited about Christmas Quest. Yeah, you and me both. It's a a great opportunity to... Um, have a deep and abiding relationship with Jesus that, um, you know, is, is truly sustaining. Um, you know, and in part of where I think um, we can sometimes see a disconnect is in uh, that that gap between um, the life that we are living and the life that we were created to live, Mm -hmm. um, 
if we are living a life currently that isn't informed by the strategies of the saints, um, then, you know, we have a long history of not needing the strategies of the saints to live that sort of life. Right. Right. Um, but when we start stepping into the life that God has set out for us, this preferred future, um, we quickly discover that, you know, without that, that daily walk with Jesus, without that, that close and abiding relationship, without the power and the peace and the presence of, of Christ in our lives, you know, we can't live that life that we're called to. Yep. Um, you know, so, so part of this this challenge in Advent is it's not simply, uh, you know, keep the disciplines because they're good for you. It's the challenge to live into your call. Yeah. It's the challenge to live the life that God desires for us to live, um, to live that sort of high-risk life of discipleship that without God showing up is going to crash and burn. Which is exciting and terrifying, and absolutely, um, you know, it's we we have this mythology um, about you know our our own self will and self sustaining and self determinism, um, and to intentionally live in a way that that necessitates greater dependence on God is terrifying. It's it's countercultural. Except I love roller coasters and it kind of feels a little bit like Advent is starting up that first hill. Mm -hmm. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I'm just, I'm just really excited and joyful. So, 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 uh, this question of, of where, uh, where we've been learning from the readings. So my family, um, for a month and a half now has been reading Luke two every night before bed, with the hopes of having it memorized by Christmas. Um, and, you know, Luke 2 starts out, uh, in those days, Caesar Augustus sent out a decree that all the world should be taxed. This was the first tax since Cyrenius was governor of Syria. So, you know, for nearly two months now, in those days is the way that we have you know, started things out. So, um, so the reading from Sunday in Jeremiah, uh, in those days and at that time, I will raise up from them a righteous descendant of David. He will do what is just and right in the land. Mm. Um, and we were in the car coming home from my in-laws in Pennsylvania. Um, and as Cindy was, or actually no, Ben, you know, we had Ben read, um, read the verse, and uh, he went, in those days, Aww. are they connected? Oh. And Sam went, of course they're connected, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> like, Sam's like, duh. duh. <laughs> um, That's and, funny. you know, who knows? Maybe, I mean, maybe, the, maybe Luke is thinking. I mean, I, I think if nothing else, Luke is thinking about the prophetic imagery from the Old Testament. Um, You know, I'd have to go back and 
go to the Septuagint to see if the Greek phrase is the same. Um, I mean, it very well could be. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it's not the only place in the Bible we see in those days. Like this is a, right. a phrase that's repeated uh, oftentimes, especially in the prophets. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, you know, so it was exciting to see for, you know, my seven and six-year-old this like, oh, you mean this This really is one story? Uh-huh. It's not, uh-huh. you know, just a collection, not just an anthology, but like there is a oneness to the story. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's Sandy Richter who talks about um, the way the covenants throughout the Bible build upon each other. So you have God make a covenant with Noah, mm-hmm. with an individual. And then the next covenant is with Abraham, and that's with a family. And then the next covenant is with Moses, and so it goes from individual to family. And then for Moses, it's a nation. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. in Jesus, this covenant that was made with a nation is extended to the globe, right? Like there is this branching of the covenant that begins in the particular person of Noah and expands and widens and increases um, so that the, the, the covenant that we experience as Gentiles who follow the way of Jesus is built on the foundation of God's covenant with Israel, his covenant with Abraham, his covenant with Noah. Um, yeah. Which is just pretty cool. It's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's something else that um, the the daily text from Seedbed, you know, talks about how history, I think this is where I read it, uh, history sometimes feels cyclical, like we're stuck in the same loop. But really, um, the story of God his salvation and his people shows us that it's it's not cyclical. Like it has a goal. It has mm. an ending coming and we see it um, in the covenants and in Christ. And I think that that's awesome. Indeed. What a cool story, man. That's awesome. Well, mine is way less exciting. <laughs> Although I have to say like, I, mine is still, it, I still thought it was cool. So um, I realized this is all going somewhere. So I'm showing Caleb this fancy book. And it Ooh. says Liturgical Year C. And it's, it's actually a planner. Um, because, you know, I've been focused on like productivity, productivity, and realized that I... Uh, wasn't doing the very first thing that I should do for productivity, which is giving my day to God. Mm. So now my planner for this year is actually, it's called uh, Sacred Ordinary Days. And the planner has the, the you know, the, the readings every day. Um, and it, you know, reminds you what time of year it is and there's space to write out your rule of life. And anyway, it's really cool. Um, so I had already been thinking about, you know, that in some sense. And yesterday, 
yes, yesterday, um, the reading from the electionary. So I'm reading Christmas Quest, and most of our readings in Christmas Quest are also lectionary readings for mm-hmm. each day. Um, but yesterday's lectionary readings, in addition to Christmas Quest, included Psalm 1. And I'll read it real quick. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. All right, so I'm reading that and, um, you know, looking at my planner and that thing about trees yielding their fruit in season and leaves that don't wither. I wrote, we don't bear fruit overnight. Winter cold or summer heat has to come before we know a tree will not wither. While we wait for those seasons, our task is to abide. And then, then the reflection question for yesterday was, have I taken or wasted time or resources that belong to another? So I'm like, clearly God's speaking to me about my time right now. Like all of those, you know, like the patience of waiting for fruit, the understanding that, you know, times that feel dry and heavy or freezing cold and dark are times of testing that show whether or not you're planted in in the stream of water of life, right? Mm. So, So that was all kind of a cool way that everything converged for me yesterday and it was exciting yeah I mean that's uh, I think that's a kind of a universal because all of us want to bear fruit all the time mm-hmm. um, yeah there are just going to be seasons where it doesn't happen um, and those seasons aren't wasted, right? Like those are the seasons where we're being nourished and growing. Hopefully. If, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, if like, we are, it, the, the, in Christ. I think part of it is, are we in, you know, I, I think people in our industry have, you know, the hardest time with this, um, that, you know, when, when we are not in a fruit-bearing season. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of staying the course and deep deepening our dependence upon Jesus, we try to synthetically produce something. Yeah. Um, and you know, we have all this burnout, I think in large part because of it. Um, 
you know, where, where the expectation is fruit upon fruit upon fruit upon fruit. Um, and when there isn't fruit, we get cynical mm-hmm. and angry. Um, or we doubt mm-hmm. and become fearful. Well, and I mean, I, I don't know if you're still listening to the uh, Cosper podcast on uh, Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, um, which, you know, I there are things about it which are helpful. Um, but, you know, it's just fundamentally dishonest to say that that church closed. It didn't, right? Like, Oh, is that where? No, I haven't listened to it for a while. I've been. I mean, like, he's been saying from the beginning, uh, you know, Mars Hill closed in 2014. In 2014, the campuses became independent churches and the main campus changed its name. That's different than the church closing. Yeah. Right? Like, it's true. Like, that feels fundamentally dishonest to me to continue saying, oh, this church closed, this church, like, no, like it, it didn't. The church was reborn. You know, um, there was a process where they, where, you know, whether they wanted to or not, they realized that they couldn't continue doing what they were doing. Mm-hmm. So they change directions. And, you know, the reality is of the 15,000 people on a weekend who are going to the 15 different campuses, yeah, a lot of them started going to other churches, right? So, like, like it, it is absolutely true that they experienced significant decline and it was a painful season. Yeah. Um, but that's a very different picture than to say that the church closed that those churches closed because, you know, when I was in Seattle two weeks ago, the, the church we were meeting at was a former Mars Hill campus Yep. that the people who were there when it was a Mars Hill campus, a lot of them were still there at the independent church cross and crown, right? Like just because it's not called Mars Hill, uh, university district anymore and now has a different name. Like it's not like, uh, you know, they had to shut the doors and sell the building to a strip club, right? Like this is a, Mm -mm. um, and I think that he has been, um, you know, let's be charitable with him and say he's been careless with his language. Mm. You know, it just it casts some degree of doubt for me in all of it. So, with that caveat out of the way, um, this past week uh, he was talking about the, um, and you know, again, I don't know if this is true, true or anecdotally true, um, but the question I think is absolutely true and a good one to ask. 
um, you know, they, they were talking about the paranoia that they sensed from Driscoll towards the end. Mm. That you know he was distrustful uh-huh. and fearful, and you know thought the people around him were out to get him. Mm-hmm. Um, and the question was posed: How do you care for people who you fundamentally think are dangerous? And I, I think. We are, I mean, how many times have you been in a room with other, other United Methodist pastors who, you know, complain about their stiff-necked church people? Mm-hmm. It's like we, um, like I think we have a deeper culture problem than we even recognize in that we have... You know, we have pastors who jump from church to church and have stiff neck church after stiff stiff neck church, and I think the um, that fundamentally what we may be seeing there is less that the church is stiff necked, and more that the pastor doesn't have the emotional health to um, exist in a season of dryness, mm-hmm. and they are hurting the church in the process. Well, this is like any relationship, right? Like we see this in serial uh, monogamy too. Um, You know, if you've had, if you've had three relationships and they've all failed, the common denominator in those is you. Now, I'm not saying that a person in three failed relationships was the only problem, and that's not at all the case. But at some point, you know, you have to. You have to look inside and, and ask God to reveal to you what it is that he needs to transform in you so that you don't bring that to a future relationship. I mean, the same as, you know, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard. But, yeah, I'm really disappointed about that, what you said about the podcast, just because I felt like at the very beginning he wanted to focus on some of the good things that came out of it too. Like he, he, he was like, you know, this isn't just a story of failure, but of things that God does in the midst of it. But I think that perhaps as they've gone along and gotten feedback and brought in other voices, it's been easier to focus on, um, the, the failure of the leader. Um, yeah. So Church Leaders Magazine puts out a church of the 100 biggest, 100 fastest growing churches in America every year. Mm-hmm. And I had a former mentor who said, you know, it's, it's, it's pastor porn. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and I would argue that, like, the, the cost per podcast is becoming increasingly, like, pastor sadomasochistic porn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, <laughs> right, like it's just like. But I will say this: it seems like um, the failures that happen, we tend to keep in the shadows. You can't, you can't bring healing to a wound that you just keep covered up and never, you know, gets medicine or the air that it needs, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that you know it's a fine line you've got to walk. Um, yeah. I think too we got a little off topic. 
I'm just going to reel us back in if What's that's new? okay. What's new? I know, right? Before this podcast, I was like, all right, all right, Spiker, we got to stay on topic. We got we to do this, get in, record it, and go. It's, it's just not possible. Put a microphone in front of us. It's okay. Yeah. But here's, here's the thing. Every story of failure in the church is also a potential story for resurrection. Mm-hmm. And God uses the foolish, silly things of this world um, for his glory. And I am thankful. I am thankful for the new Christian year. I'm thankful for the opportunity to like dig deeper spiritually. And I can't wait. I can't wait to see what God does. You and me both. All right, Caleb. So there we have it. Long time no record Hmm. podcast. Any parting words for our listener? I would say do not simply look at the Christmas quest as a list of boxes to check. Mm-hmm. Although there are a lot of boxes to <laughs> there check. There are so many boxes and to it check. It is very satisfying <laughs> to check boxes. Um, but instead, uh, recognize this as an opportunity f- for what it is. Um, that this is a call to live the life that God has created us to live. Um, That if we want to um, be the sort of people who live into the Great Commission, employing the strategies of the saints will be absolutely necessary. So, um, yeah, so... uh, Keep it up. Um, you know, look for ways to serve your neighbor and to share the hope that you have. Um, to invite them into uh, this life that you've been given in Christ, and uh, stay caffeinated and stay in love with Jesus. And we'll be back again at some point. <laughs> Bye. Feeling kind of sleepy, really in alert. It's reminiscent of all the times that I fell asleep in church. History and theology and some anthropology too. We'll figure it out together, so buckle up my buckaroo. A second pot on, we're gonna learn what's going on. Just put a second pot on, together discover what's going on.